Yeah, welcome to the 10th episode of the Let's Talk Internet Computer Podcast. Today we have with us one of the most influential people in the entire internet computer ecosystem, the co-founder and CEO of Tonic Labs, uh, that among other things have created the largest NFT marketplace on the internet computer, which is called Entrepod, or for example, Stoic, uh, the self-custodial blockchain wallet for internet computer. Thank you so much for being with us, uh, Mr. Bob Bodily. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, really happy to be here and excited to excited to talk. Great. Yeah, first of all, as always, Bob, tell us a little bit more about about yourself uh, and your hobbies. Yeah, do you want like professional background? Are you looking for the crazy, <laughs> crazy things I, I like to do? Yeah, I see on your Twitter, you live in, in Utah with a large family. Uh, also, before you mentioned me, you live in Barcelona during two years, for two yep. years. You play soccer a lot, all the time there. Also, I see your hobbies are uh, uh, chess, disc, golf. Maybe we can start for, for, for your hobbies and then we can enter more specifically in your background. Yeah, I mean, if there are any chess players out there, we should play sometime. I'm not the greatest player in the world. You know, Elo's probably like, you know, 1600 on chess.com. So like good, nice. but not not that good. Uh, but really, really enjoy it. Uh, and really like disc golf. I have played a lot of Ultimate Frisbee in my life. I played Ultimate Frisbee for my college team in university and you know traveled around played other college teams and then uh that just led to disc golf so really really like disc golf and uh yeah have four four kids and live in utah i did a phd in educational technology at byu and then from there went on to work as a data engineer data scientist for a couple of years for a couple of different startups uh, one of those startups, uh, I started an ed tech company with Jordan last nice. and it was 2016, 2017 in, in there. And we just wanted to tokenize it and build it on the blockchain, but it was early, uh, too, too early. We, we wanted what the internet computer is today back in, back in 2017. Uh, so didn't end up doing anything blockchain related uh, for that startup. And then we kind of went and did different things. And then I got, you know, once mainnet launch happened, May, May of 2021, uh, just got sucked in, sucked in mm -hmm. all the way. So yeah. nice. Yeah. What about me? What about me? Oh, I was I I was just saying that's a little bit about me. I mean, you're Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Nice. Your Great. listeners likely already know who you are, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for, for sure, for sure. Maybe another episode I can interview to myself. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um great. And yeah, you you studied like PhD in institutional technology. For sure, you think your studies help uh to better understand the technical aspects for the blockchain in general, Web3 in general, you think is now you feel like for sure more comfortable with all the technology things uh, that uh, helps you with the PhD because it's not just a bachelor, it's something like super specifically, maybe it's not related with uh, uh, blockchain or maybe yes, 
yeah, you can maybe explain a little bit more this part, like the instru instru instructional technology, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, so I think a PhD is helpful if, uh, if you love research, if you love to spend a lot of time diving really, really deep on a specific problem, and you mm -hmm. want to know everything about the problem. And, you know, they there are some funny graphs or charts where they show like, if this circle is the entire, if is this circle is everything the entire world knows, then your PhD is like, a tiny dot extending that circle, uh, just uh -huh. adding a tiny little bit of knowledge to the world. So I really loved uh, PhD work. Uh, I managed a lot of developers during my PhD, building various applications. And I think that was probably the most helpful in being able to understand uh, blockchain technology is just understanding from a technical perspective how things work. And so mm -hmm. manage uh, lots of teams. And then I do a lot in Python. Uh, as a data engineer, data scientist, which also helps a lot. And uh, so being able to make calls to canisters, like I've, I love using ICPy. I use ICPy all the time to do all sorts of canister calls. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Last is building Kybra. Kybra is going to be a Python CDK on the internet computer. So you'll be able to write smart contracts in Python. And that's going to be really, really awesome. Uh, just for me as a Python guy, I think it'll be really fun to spin up all sorts of crazy canisters to just play around and do do fun things. Okay. Also, you use Motoko or? Uh, I can read Motoko. I don't. I I don't write any Motoko. But at Tonic, we are a, a Motoko shop, so everything we do is Motoko. Okay. Uh huh. Nice. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Bob, uh, you are one of the co-founders of uh, Tonic Labs, uh, yep. the IC ICP blockchain company that helps users uh, build, launch, and grow uh, NFTs uh, based business on Web3. Uh, can you explain us maybe more for the people that don't know anything about Tonic Labs? What is the, the philosophy? Also, Tonic Labs, that we have, we launch a lot of different projects, very varied uh, projects on, on, for example, Entrepod. That I, as I mentioned before, largest and most trusted NFT marketplace on the internet computer blockchain without gas fees. Um, yeah, also, for example, the Stoic, uh, Tonic Labs creation, uh, that is self-custodial blockchain wallet. Other strong pillars on Tonic are video games. For example, the uh, NFT uh, mini game Chronic Critters or the strategy game Rise of the Magni. Yeah, could you explain more about uh, these interesting projects? Maybe like a brief introduction or something? Yeah, so I think a good way to think about Tonic is we have a foundational layer, kind of like a, a smart contract protocol layer that we call Exponent. Exponent is like the, the EXT standard that we use, as well as like the interesting NFT protocol, which is what powers Tonic Earn as well mm -hmm. as other, other kinds of protocols. So this all sits in kind of our, our protocol layer, which we call Exponent. And on top of that, like, like you mentioned, we have a number of different products. We have Marketplace, we have a wallet, we have a Launchpad, then we have other kinds of APIs and other kinds of smart contract extensions that I'd call mm -hmm. services. And so that's kind of our, all, all of our product offerings, at least our core product offerings. Uh, you did mention Chronics and Rise of the Magni as well. 
And then the way I've been pitching tonic lately is you could imagine a utility layer added across all of our products. Uh, the, this utility layer is interesting because when I think about the future of NFTs, I think there are specific affordances that you get with an NFT, like uh, true digital ownership, and you get a standard open API that you can leverage. Uh, you have a public registry. And if you take the, the affordances of NFTs, then you can start to understand what, you know, from a foundational perspective, what is this technology going to do for us? And so I bring all of that up because I think the future of NFTs is utility. That doesn't mean that art can't be an NFT because I think it can, uh, but that satisfies one particular aspect of utility when there are many. So uh, moving forward into the future, we'll be adding a lot of features to our marketplace, our launchpad or our wallet that uh, add value or enable NFT creators to add value to their NFTs through this utility layer. So that's a little bit of uh, kind of the, the, recent, uh, the recent explanation that I give people uh, about what Tonic is all about, but that's, that's pretty new, you know, past, past mm -hmm. couple months done, been, been, been doing a lot of thinking on, you know, uh -huh. the future of Tonic, so. Okay, great. Also, the team is, uh, uh, I'm not, I, I just checked the web page, uh, Stephen Andrews, you, Stephen Erickson, and Max Ogles, this, uh, on Mac Jab. This is the person, like five uh, members now, or is... Yes, yeah, so we have like seven full-time, probably, seven and then a couple other, yeah, a couple others, but yeah, that's current size of the team. Nice, great. Um, yeah, as, as you said, also on your Twitter account, you are an NFT philosopher. I love it. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of Guardiola, you are the Guardiola of the NFTs, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you love that all the utilities and maybe we can talk after a little bit more about the different utilities on the, the NFTs. My question is here is how you begin to realize the potential of, of the NFTs? And how did the idea of EntryPod come about? Because if you start from the beginning, uh, start to build something about NFTs and more like NFT, uh, a marketplace is something super huge. Like I, I'm not pretty sure now how many projects are on, on, on EntryPod, more than 150 NFTs, or, or I'm not pretty sure, but this is something huge. And for manage all the... Yeah, yeah, royalties and uh, all the collections, talk with all the artists and behind the scenes, there are a, a lot of jobs there. And yeah, maybe you can explain to the audience how you deal with all the things and how you begin to realize the, the potential of the, the NFTs, how to start the idea of EntryPod also. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I guess I'll give you kind of the origin story for Tonic. We started building Rise of the Magni, and we wanted 100% on chain. Uh, Stephen Andrews had done some previous work uh, on Tezos in the Tezos ecosystem, and saw saw Definity, saw what they were doing. This was early 2021, and decided to start building Rise of the Magni on the internet computer. So. Move, we moved the back end completely over to the IC for the Discover Hackathon. 
for the first Discover Hackathon and Rise yeah. of the Magnet won, won that hackathon. And from there, uh, all the little tiles in the Rise of the Magni game are NFTs. They're just non-transferable or soul-bound soul -bound tokens. Mm -hmm. uh, so NFTs that you can't transfer. And from there, we ended up experimenting with Chronix. And you know, we did the tip can where you could go in, you could donate, and you could get a Chronic. And from there, we realized, well, people need a place to hold their NFTs. So we built Stoic and people need wanted a place to trade their NFTs. And so we built a marketplace. Initially, it was a marketplace yeah. within Stoic. I think you can still find it in there. There's a beta marketplace there in Stoic. Uh, but mm -hmm. then that spun out, spun out into Entrepot. And then we realized that minting NFTs, like launching NFTs, was very painful for a lot of people. And so we created our kind of no-code self-minting tool. And so really it's just been building and then seeing how people react to it. And if it's favorable, then we continue to push and build more. And so, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without, without an awesome community using our products and being interested in the work we're doing and supporting, supporting the internet computer. Yeah. This is the real mind of an entrepreneur, right? Like a, a start to build and then try an error, try an error, try an error and see if uh, the community likes or love it. And then you can go farther and build another thing that is helpful for the community. That's that's amazing story. Yeah. And also, I'm curious to know more about why you decide to uh, build on your projects on, on the Internet Computer Blockchain. There are a lot of uh, blockchains on the ecosystem. Why you like choose uh, ICP? Yeah, if you want to build 100% on chain, you don't really have any other choice. Uh, there, yeah. You can't store data. So the choice is probably, do you use Filecoin or Arweave? connected with something like Ethereum or Polygon, and maybe you throw in some AWS for your business logic. Like that that kind of setup could also work. Uh -huh. And that's basically what people are doing on Ethereum and Polygon right now, is they'll store data on IPFS or Arweave, uh, decentralized peer-to-peer -peer storage. And then from there, they will have their NFTs, their collections actually on the blockchain on Ethereum or Polygon or other Solana. Uh, mm -hmm. But then sometimes you wanna make NFTs interactive or you wanna make them dynamic or you wanna change them based on data. And almost in all cases, you end up putting that business logic on Amazon Web Services or Google or whatever. So mm -hmm. Uh, the nice thing about the Internet Computer Protocol, ICP, is you have storage, compute, and hosting all on the same chain. So you can store your assets in an asset canister. You can store your business logic in your NFT canister. Uh, you can host a web, web application from your canister or from another canister. And having it all co-located on the same blockchain is more seamless and easier from a developer perspective. And it's enabling, uh, meaning you can do more on ICP yeah. than you can do in other places. So yeah, definitely an advantage to build on ICP. I don't think it's perfect and they haven't reached their vision, their 20 year roadmap vision yet, 
uh-huh. but you know, we're a year and a half in and so far so good, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's exciting. My, my next question is more, more regards with the ICP. And you mentioned like there is like something uh, or different things in ICP. Maybe it's like unbeatable compared with other blockchains that ICP is the best, but we have like different areas that a lot of room of improvement, right? Like yeah. we have like 20 years roadmap and is the earliest stages, but for sure, um, we have to improve, of course, it's not perfect. Yeah, as you mentioned. And yeah, yeah uh, returning also to the subject of NFTs, uh, I would like to know your opinion on the subject of royalties. You uh, wrote a lot on Twitter. Um, you think, in your opinion, the royalties must be like fixed by the artist at the buyer choice, free, or depends a lot of, of the utility of each uh, NFT. I understand for sure that royalty is essential for the artist, uh, but it's something that has been debated and has generated a lot of uh, controversy on, on the uh, Twitter and other social media. What is your opinion about the, the royalties on the NFTs? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely been a hot topic the past couple months as yeah. more and more marketplaces decide to do optional optional creator royalties. Mm -hmm. uh, I think generally the the way that we build at Tonic is we want to give creators options. We want to give them tools to succeed. And I think in uh, in the majority of cases, people just want uh, to receive value for the work that they do. So I think there are lots of ways to monetize the work that you do. Royalties is one way, but there are other funding models as well. There are subscription-based models, uh, kind of like a subscription NFT or a SaaS NFT. Uh, mm -hmm. There are other kinds of taxing models. Uh, most people hate Harburger taxes. Like I hesitate to even say the word because some people are going to be like, no, that's the worst thing ever. Yeah. Uh, is it's a, it's a viable funding model for certain kinds of projects, or maybe you just fund via minting. So you do something like the Pixie team is doing where you do roadmap based minting. So they minted 1500 Pixies. And then they said, when we hit this roadmap milestone, we're going to mint 1500 more. And then when we reach the next milestone, we're going to re we're, we're going to mint 1500 more. We're we're going to sell 1500 more. And so you can kind of do milestone-based funding and minting in that way. So there are lots of potential models, uh, specifically on royalties. Uh, first, it's widely accepted that it's basically impossible to enforce creator royalties. And that's just because even if you bake it into the smart contract, that's not enough because you can always just wrap a token. Uh, wrapping a token is sending a token to some smart contract, and then the smart contract mints an identical token. Uh, it's obviously a different collection. It's the wrapped version of the token, but you can't control the, the wrapper canister or the wrapper smart contract. And so you can get around royalties via wrapping. Uh, not just wrapping, but escrow services and mm -hmm. other things like that. So I, I, do, I do think there is a way on the internet computer 
to enforce creator royalties. I've been playing around with it with Steven and a few others, and I think it's possible uh, to enforce creator royalties without, you know, like locking down everything all the way. Mm -hmm. uh, we're still working on that, seeing if we can make it happen. Uh, but that's one option is let's just enforce creator royalties. For creators that want to enforce royalties, let's give them the option to do that. There might be certain restrictions around the NFT collection, but that's up to the creator to, to choose how they would like to monetize their, their work. For utility NFTs or NFTs with any kind of utility, this would be like access-based utility or software-based NFTs or NFTs that give you access to a portal and discover or something like that. I think the best way to monetize is likely just via a subscription. So think of a subscription NFT, like you buy the NFT to get the, the base tier of benefits, and then you pay a monthly subscription for the premium benefits on top. And so the only way something like that is going to work is if you have premium content or premium platform features that people are willing to pay for. You have to provide enough value that people are willing to pay, you know, five or 10 ICP a month for for the, the value that you're providing. But I think that model makes a lot of sense for utility-based NFTs. And then there are, other, there are other royalty models as well. So I think our standpoint is let's, let's create three or four or five different ways that creators can monetize their projects and let's let creators choose how they, would, how they want to do it. If they want to enforce royalties, great. If they want to do optional royalties, great. But I do view it as uh, the the creator should be able to decide how they monetize uh, the the value that they're giving to the world, yeah. and so like buyer choice. I mean, maybe interesting, but I don't I don't think it really addresses the problem. I think it's just kind of the easiest thing that existing marketplaces could do right now without just you know getting rid of royalties altogether. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's. Yeah, but that's good. That's good that you are like thinking the different options to um, have the the artist to uh, have the flexibility to choose whatever they want to do, like for monetize the the content and the NFTs. Not just like one thing, one option, and that's it. And this yeah. is something this is something cool and pretty disruptive, right? Because as you mentioned, the easiest way is like okay, no uh, royalties, free or or just fix it, and that's it. But this is something like. Yeah pretty like disruptive, pretty new. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, also about the analyze the utility of the tokens. Uh, each project provide different options for the utility. I love one uh, photo that you have on your Twitter. It's like a pyramid about uh, uh, an, an analysis about the last 150 or 180 different projects of NFTs. Yeah. And for people that is not too much familiar for the 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 NFTs or for the utility or or, or the for the tokens. Uh, that's cool. Like uh, you divided in in art and collectibles, for example, cards or rare items. Also, like other type of NFTs that are beneficial for the holders, NFT drops or like have like early access or maybe discounts. Also, NFTs that you can use. For example, music, uh, videos, games, uh, and also have uh, access to the real world. Even NFTs that you can transform to other 
cases or other use cases, uh, copyright, education, credentials, uh, or uh, event, tickets events. Um, my question is, how do you see the evolution of these NFTs uh, in five years? If you think it's something even more disruptive and innovative compared with, with now is, is coming. And also, yeah, if you can explain a little bit more about the, these uh, utilities. Yeah, so the first iteration of the framework was the pyramid that you saw. Since then, I've spent quite a bit of time thinking around uh, utility NFTs and Max Ogles and I, put together the, the next generation utility framework. And so we have, we, we divide up NFT utility into six main categories uh, that kind of fit into three buckets. Uh, one is ownership, one is access, and one is kind of the intangible uh, utility category. So within ownership, uh, one is just uh, gifts. Gifts is is the category, category one. Gifts is like uh, airdrops, uh, discounts, uh, claims, uh, free stuff, et cetera. Uh -huh. uh, the, other, the other category within ownership is ownership. Ownership meaning like real estate, like you can actually own something in the real world or ownership like you can own music or you can own text, you know, blog posts, so you can own a book, uh, ownership of, of real digital and physical assets. Uh, that's, that's the ownership group. Then within the access group, we have uh, digital and physical access, like a key card to get into events or a digital card to get into applications or other kinds of access. Uh, NFTs are frequently used in, in this way for digital and physical access. Uh, the other category within access is verification. Verification meaning you're providing access to your data or your information to others. And so verification has a lot to do with verifiable credentials or being able to verify that, yes, I did this thing because this NFT is in my wallet or something like that. Uh, so tons of different interesting verification uh, verification applications. And then finally, the, the last two categories were um, the intangibles, which uh, one is culture. Culture, yeah. like you feel belonging, you have an emotional attachment to the art, you you feel part of a community, you feel like, you know, you're part of something bigger than, than yourself. And then uh, beyond culture, there's, let's see, the final category was privilege. Privilege is like you have a right, like rights to do something. So the right to uh -huh. vote, uh, the right to govern an application. Uh, anyway, so those, those are kind of the six main utility categories. And if you think about the future of NFTs, I think they will fall, I think the future of NFTs will fall in these six areas, which is why I felt like it was important to bring those up because that's that's how I view the the future of NFTs right now, is I think we're going to see innovation in those six areas, uh, primarily because the the affordances of an NFT lends itself well to those use cases. Mm -hmm. That's cool. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Your explanations about the different utilities for the NFTs. Um, yeah. Also, do you think that 
now like more and more large companies and investors taking advantage about that token revolution this is something you think is going to increase even more like more and more people is uh start to invest in tokenization and, and, and nfts and all related with with these things right this is the future what is your opinion about about that about the also the big companies um and the, the big investors in the in the ecosystem to invest in in tokenization and nfts Yeah, I think if you think about it from a technology adoption perspective, there's uh -huh. that uh, technology adoption curve, like the the bell curve, where you have innovators, early adopters, early majority, late majority laggards, and we're, we've definitely seen innovators and a little bit of early early adopters that have jumped on the 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 crypto train, and the the key uh, to any new technology, you know, there there have been tons of terrible or now failed technologies that received a lot of hype like crypto has and tokenization has and so the idea is what about this is a fad and what about this is a trend for the future and i think that's that's an interesting question like what what is hype what is speculation and what is real substantive game changing mm -hmm. foundational technology change that's going to change the world. And I think we have both. It's probably some massive amount of hype, like 90% hype or 95% speculation or something like that. But the five to 10% substance I think is significant. And there will be, you know, people refer to the dot-com era uh, being now for blockchain. And mm -hmm. while it's completely different, I do see it as, the people that can build valuable solutions, build valuable businesses, leveraging blockchain technology to create better solutions for real world users. I think those are the people that are going to win. It's not about the tech. It's not about blockchain or crypto or NFT. It's about leveraging the technology to provide a better solution for the end user, which is just, you know, a normal internet user. And if we can find a way to not talk about the tech, but talk about the features that the tech enables, then yeah. go and draw in the Web2 crowd. I think that's that's how blockchain wins. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, uh, yeah, my last question uh, is a, a, a small questionnaire. Maybe you can answer or not. It's like three questions. Is that the first one is, what is your favorite NFT of, of, on Entrepot? You cannot say Motoko Mets. <laughs> The second one is what what is your favorite app uh, that you use every day in internet computer and the third one is what is the, a new application that you see like a lot of potential a huge a huge potential and you think maybe can be one of the great ones of the icp ecosystem okay lots of questions first one <laughs> yeah favorite nft Uh, I'm just scrolling on for Poe right now. There's uh, rarely, very rarely, I run into a collection where the, I identify with the art to the point where I can't not buy it. Mm -hmm. It's only happened like three times in, in, in my life so far. Uh, the yeah. first time that was for the Elios collection, E-L-E-O-S collection on Entrepot. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 
really talented artist put together a really kind of striking piece and I just really wanted to own it. So that was the first time where I bought an NFT because I had, you could call it an, an emotional connection or attachment with, with the NFT. So that's one of my favorites. It's a lesser known collection. It's only a collection of 55. It's only done like 370 ICP in volume. Like it's a small collection, but definitely one of my favorites. Awesome. Great. Uh, yeah, second quick, question, your, your favorite DAP or an internet computer that you normally use every day or almost every day? Yeah, it's definitely going to be on the tooling side, which I mean, there are amazing DAPs on, on the internet computer, but ones I use every single day without, uh, without fail, probably NFT Geek and IC Scan and IC Pi. IC Pi is a SDK, so it's not actually an app, but those are tools that I use all the time because they're like the NFT core of, of the IC. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, and the last one is if you like realize or like you see any like new application that you think is on the early stages, but you can see the huge potential and maybe in a, in a years or in a month can be become one of the greatest, one of the biggest ones on the ecosystem. Yeah. My answer is probably, again, not fair to all the people building consumer applications, but yeah. My favorite are on, on the infrastructure side. So IC Pipeline is doing some amazing work, uh, allowing developers to go from staging to dev to prod. And that's really exciting to me because it's going to make my job easier. And I also really like what Internet Computer Services is doing. Uh, similarly with, I think Code and State is going to do something like this too, but basically just building ways for uh developers to easily create and manage and leverage mm -hmm. tech on on the internet computer kind of like a amazon web services kind of dashboard experience yeah, yeah awesome. really excited about the in infrastructure plays mm -hmm. great great sounds super good okay yeah thank you so much bob for your time and for sharing with us uh all the information is so valuable i think for the audience and please keep going <laughs> with your amazing job and contribution on, on twitter and on, on the uh crypto community also with your threads that and your thoughts which i think is uh, are essential to continue improving the the icp ecosystem thank you so much bob for your time today yeah really happy to be here thanks for having me yeah, see you. Thank you. Bye-bye.